0: Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. So today's Pentecost Sunday, right? How many know that? That's uh, 50. That's what Pentecost means. It's 50 days after the Passion Weekend, um, and, and today is when we, as a church, celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit to the church. So we're going to talk about that in a moment, but let's just pray. Lord, we thank you that you have called us for such a time as this, that we've come into your kingdom for such a time as this. And Father, we thank you that we would understand the significance of Pentecost Sunday, not as a feast only, but as an experience, as an encounter, that you would shift us, that we would have an encounter with the living God, an encounter that will never change, an encounter that will alter our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... Today, as I said, because it's Pentecost Sunday, we want to understand a little bit about what that means, and we could go through the whole book of Acts and get a fuller picture of that. And we're not going to do that, obviously, for lack of time, so we're just going to go through the first day of Pentecost uh, narrative that we find in Acts chapter two, and we're going to talk about seven ways we literally partner with the Holy Spirit. Now, isn't that great that we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and we could we could actually partner with the Holy Spirit? And we have disciples who walked with Jesus personally, right? And then Jesus said, it's good for you that I go away because if I go away, I'm going to send another comforter. That word another in the Greek is the word alos, which means another of the same kind, meaning Jesus didn't send a force. He sent a person. You have false cults like the Jehovah Witnesses. And others who believe that the Holy Spirit is not a person, but but a force, like electricity. They don't believe that God the Son is God. They believe he's a created being, and they think he's Michael the Archangel. And they also miss it big time with the Holy Spirit. They don't think he's a person. But Jesus said in John 14, might be verse 26 around there. He said, I'm going to send you another comforter, and the way the grammar, the Greek, and the language is laid out is he's bringing another person to take his place. And then we see in the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says, as Luke was talking, he said, In the past, I showed you what Jesus began to do and to teach. And he was talking about the Gospel of Luke. So basically what he was insinuating was the book of Acts, which was part two, was what Jesus continued to do, but this time through the Spirit of God on the church. And so the church is called to continue the works of Jesus Christ. As he is, so are we in this world. How many of you follow me? So again, Acts chapter 1, verse 1, Luke says he's writing to a guy named Theophilus. What a name. If I have a grandkid, I'll call him Theophilus. Uh, Another one, I should say. But he's writing to this guy, and he said, In my first treatise, meaning Luke, I told you about all that Jesus began. Somebody say, began. To do and teach. But now I'm going to show you what Jesus did through the Holy Spirit, and the whole book of Acts is a narrative about what Jesus continued to do, but this time through the church. So if you ever want to know what your purpose is in life, you ought to continue the works of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so instead of Jesus being with us in the flesh, we have the Holy Spirit with us, on us and in us, upon us and in us which the book of Acts narrates. But because we're not going through the whole book of Acts, which I love to do, we've done it several times in our church, we're going to just talk about some of the passages in the uh, second chapter. And so in chapter 2, and we're going with verse 1, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and cloven or divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then it mentioned about how there were people who came together who were bewildered because each one of them heard someone speak a tongue in their own language. And they were saying, are not these all who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each one of us in our own native tongue?" Now skipping ahead to verse 14, Peter standing up with the 11, he lifted up his voice and he said, men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. So he began preaching. He said, give ear to my words. And after his message, he concluded it with this in verse 34, let all the house of Israel know therefore for certain that God has made Jesus both Lord, meaning he's God, Adonai, Lord over all, and Christ, or Messiah, or the Anointed One that they were looking for, this Jesus whom you crucified. And when they, these are Jews who came to celebrate at the Feast of Pentecost, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said, Repent or change your thinking, change your mindset, and be baptized. Join the Jesus community in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, Peter bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this perverse and crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And so Pentecost was a day where they honored the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, and what God did was he's saying, now instead of the law, I'm giving you the spirit on the day of Pentecost so that my law will now be in your heart. And instead of 3,000 being killed because they murmured against the Lord around that time in, the, in that, that season of the Jewish history, now I'm going to save 3,000. Isn't that Amazing. And so this testament that we live in is far superior to the Old Testament that was based upon animal sacrifices and following ceremonial law. And now we have the spirit that was given to us. And Paul said where the spirit is, there is liberty. And that's what we have. That's what we experience in Christ. And so we have the spirit of liberty right now. And thank God for that. And so what we want to do is unpack what happened here just on the day of Pentecost. Some of the implications of this. And we want to most uh, uniquely, we want to focus on how does that impact us today? How do we partner with the Spirit moving forward? It's not enough just to read the book of Acts. It's a nice narrative. But the book of Acts is not just descriptive, it's prescriptive. It's to teach us how we are to live today. It's not just a nice historical document. So that's why whatever was done there is for us to imitate. And as they partner with the Holy Spirit, so are we to partner with the Holy Spirit. So I pray to God that we all understand this. All right, so I'm going to make it easy and bring out seven points, seven ways we partner with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say seven. Seven. Number one, while we wait upon God and give him space, the Spirit will fall upon us. Now, why do I say that? Well, the Holy Spirit didn't just happen to fall on their heads like ripe cherries fall off a tree on somebody's head. They were waiting on God for 10 days. Everybody wants a Pentecostal experience, but nobody wants the process. Nobody wants the prayer. Nobody wants to seek God. Nobody wants to go out for God. And so we call ourselves Pentecostal. But Pentecostal really has to do with giving God opportunity to work inside of our life. And to the extent that you wait on God, to the extent that you seek God, to that extent will the Holy Spirit have the capacity to fill you, to do something inside of you, to change you. How many know that you can't change yourself? No matter how hard you try, you can't change your wife or your husband or your kids. The best thing you could do is give God space, give God the opportunity, give God the priority, give God the time, give God habit patterns every day that allow the Holy Spirit to walk and work inside of your heart. And so we see here... That they had a 10-day prayer meeting. My God, we can't even get people to show up for an hour to pray. Not even on Zoom we can't get people to show up. We used to have 80 to 100. Now we're lucky we have 15. It must be hard pushing that button, I guess, on your computer. But they got together for 10 days. Somebody say 10 days. They were waiting on God for ten days. They didn't move. They were comparing Scripture. They were seeking God. They were in one accord in prayer in a hot upper room that probably didn't really have windows, and we definitely know they didn't have electricity, and we definitely know they didn't have air conditioning. And this was in a hot climate. And they were waiting on God. It reminds me of when I was in Cuba preaching in two thousand five. And uh, a guy who was a friend of mine was doing the evangelistic services at night. And he said, could you please come and teach the pastors in the day? You have a teaching gift. I don't have it. So you teach for an hour. I'll do a big meeting at night. Well, next thing you know, there was 900 pastors show up in a factory in Cuba. No windows. 95 degrees. They all had suits and ties on. And I had a suit and tie on, too. Because you know they were very respectful, and that was their culture. And uh, 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 and I started teaching. After an hour, they gave me a standing ovation—not because I was so great, but they never heard the stuff before I was teaching. And they said, "Keep preaching." So I went on for another hour. Then they got up, t- preach, preach more. Next thing you know, every single day I was preaching for three hours in a hot factory and no windows with a suit and a tie my god But I've never had a more glorious experience in my life of the hunger of God. These people didn't want to stop. These people never heard anything like this. These people were hungry and they didn't care if it was a hot factory. They didn't care if they were stacked in there like sardines. It's hard when you got to walk a mile to church. It's hard when you can't find parking. But how about... Walking for two days like they do in Africa to get to church. How about the sacrifice of maybe you're losing your life because Boko Haram may show up in a church meeting and start cutting off heads. Do you understand what it takes to see the power of God? You have to exchange your life for his life. You have to give up what's convenient. If you don't give up what's convenient, how can you have the divine? How can you have an extra supernatural life if you want to live an ordinary pedestrian life. Everybody wants the power, but no one wants to sacrifice. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. Everybody wants the resurrection, but nobody wants the cross. They waited on God for 10 days. Somebody say 10 days. My God, imagine if we said we're going to have a Pentecostal 10-day prayer meeting. Wow, what God would do after an encounter like that. And so I believe the Spirit today is yearning for people who will be watchmen on the walls. They will not give him rest day and night until he establishes his purposes. Even if we don't have that 10-day prayer meeting, by the way, we do have prayer every Tuesday night, 7.30 to 8.30, join us, Zoom. You can get easier than that. Just push a button, for crying out loud, join us. I lead the prayer every Tuesday. But can you imagine... It's not just us coming together, but he's waiting on us to be those watchmen in our own homes, in our convenient time. But You don't understand, I have to get up at 5 to go to work. Then go to bed an hour earlier, get up at 4 and pray. It, whatever you give up, God will bless you. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. I'm old school. I'm not into this instant Christianity. I'm old school. It's not because I'm old. I was old school when I was 20. And I believe that if we don't have a biblical process, we will not have biblical results. There's more I could say. Number two, we partner with the Holy Spirit so we can give birth Somebody say, give birth birth. to a spirit-filled movement upon the earth. The apostles waited upon God until the church was born. But I have found that there is a birthing anointing on prayer. And certain things God wants to do in your life. And you have to push it through in prayer until it happens. Certain things he wants to do with your spouse or with your children. As I said, your words and your nagging is not going to change anybody. All you're going to do is push them away. All you're going to do is get them aggravated. But by prayer and seeking God and waiting on God, God can operate. You're going to be setting them loose and free because the spirit brings liberty. It's not your words. And so I believe that this is also teaching us. That we can give birth to a movement that'll bring salvation to our family, that'll bring salvation to our neighbors and our co-workers, bring salvation to our community. We saw Sunset Park totally changed without gentrification, without the ethnic peoples being uh, uh, pushed out. And we saw it between 1980 and 1995 because all the prayer, the fasting, the signs and wonders, the deliverances, the children of the city—five, seven hundred kids every week being busted in, hearing the gospel. Let me tell you, you gotta push, you gotta push, you gotta push, you gotta push until you have the victory. You can't give up. You have to pray. You have to seek God. And they gave birth to a movement. Somebody say, a movement. It wasn't just a nice little service. It wasn't just someone getting slain in the spirit. It wasn't just somebody speaking in tongues. It wasn't just somebody's left arm getting healed. They're all good things. But they gave birth to a Pentecostal movement that is still shaking the earth today. As a matter of fact, we have more churches being planted, more people being saved, more people being martyred, more people who were saved in Africa, in Latin America, in China, than we have in the history of the church. We have more Christians today than we ever had. We see God moving more in demonstrations of power than we've ever seen. We still have people raised from, The dead, we still have people delivered from demons. We still see God moving, He's moving more in the global south, but He is moving. And he can move here if we would begin to move heaven and earth with prayer, with fasting, with going after God, with stopping our business as usual. If you want extraordinary results, then stop living an ordinary life. Stop living like other Christians. Stop being like everybody else. Stop going by what they say on Facebook. Get your face in his book and stop mimicking what he tells you. There is a movement that started, a movement that started, because they had the nerve to wait on God and believe God for great things. Today there are thousands, perhaps millions, I don't know what the number is, but we know there are multiple thousands of Muslims getting saved and imams and heads of their temples they are mosques in Iran because of all the prayers. People have seen visions of Jesus. Jesus walks in their room. Jesus talks to them, hangs out with them because it's illegal for anybody to share the gospel. God is just doing it right there. We're seeing more miracles than we've ever seen before. And it started on the day of Pentecost because of a one-time 10-day prayer meeting. Can you imagine what God could do if we just get a hold of him? And the apostles had no idea that 2,000 years later we'd still be talking about it. You have no idea what your prayer life will result in. You have no idea the generations that will be impacted. You have no idea. My grandmother had no idea that the three hours a day she prayed as a young woman who was uh, uh, divorced from a husband and thrown out of the Catholic church and fled from a, her, uh, her unfaithful husband, came to New York weeping in the streets, didn't know a word of English speaking Spanish only, walking in Manhattan, heard a Spanish Pentecostal church, came in, got saved. From that point on, she prayed three hours a day. She began preaching on the streets in a white dress for three hours a day. She had no idea that 80, 90 years later, there would be a grandson preaching the gospel. She had no idea what would happen. She had no idea that I'd be reaching more people in one day through Facebook than she probably reached in 10 years. She had no idea what kind of prayers, the effects, the power, the movement, the challenges that would be faced through her prayer life. You have no idea what's happening. When we partner with the Holy Spirit, we give birth. They're not just events, but movements. The reason why we don't have a revival now is because we're all too content to live without one. Do you hear what I'm saying? The reason why you have the mess you have in your house is because you're content to live in it. Until we pray and seek God and get to a point where we're not going to stop until we see answers you're not going to have any different results unless you change what you're doing. But there's more we could say about that. Number three, another result of Pentecost. We yield to God so that his fire comes upon us. Not enough just to speak in tongues. Jesus said that you will be baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. John the Baptist said the Holy Ghost and fire. We have too many carnal charismatics uh, who speak in tongues one minute and curse their fellow man the other, slandering, talking negatively, tearing down the church. It's carnality. It doesn't matter if you speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if you don't have love, you are nothing. You're like a sounding brass. Uh, you're not making sense. Uh, you have no power in your life unless you're baptized with fire. has to be fire. Fire gives you power. Fire gives you enthusiasm. Fire gives you holiness. It's the power of God, but it's the fire of God that comes and purges us from the inside. They were baptized with fire, not just with tongues. Matter of fact, they weren't even baptized with tongues. They were baptized with the Spirit. And while the church is looking for tongues, God is looking for the fire. God is looking for the power. God is looking for the demonstration. God is looking. And then people get baptized in the Holy Ghost through the evidence of speaking in tongues, then they don't speak in tongues anymore. What good is it? Fire implies enthusiasm, it implies passion. God is always enthusiastic. God is always passionate. And if you're not on fire for him, that means you're not filled with God. I don't know what you're filled with, but it ain't God. If you're on fire for God, that's a good sign you're filled with God in the midst of this crazy day and age. If you're, you haven't been on fire, if you're not passionate about God, you might even be backslidden. Come on, think about it. If you're more excited about television, about hanging out with your friends, about football, about sports, about uh, uh, the, the friends reunion coming up Thursday. If you are more excited about that than you are about the things of God, you may be backslidden. You may be backslidden sitting in this service right now. All I know is the fire of God Get you hot for God. Get you burning for God. Get you longing for God. Get you seeking God. And once you seek God, you want to walk in holiness. You want to walk. Holiness is not a dirty word. My, my. We used to think holiness meant legalism. Holiness means that you love the things God loves and you hate the things God hates. God hates legalism, but he loves the fear of the Lord. If you don't think anything about sinning against God, lusting after the opposite or the same-sex pornography, and you continue on and it doesn't bother you, then you lack the fear of God. You need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fired. We get excited, people speak in tongues. I'm more excited when I see fire. Because like I said, I know a lot of carnal charismatics. There's more that can be said about this. But our God is a consuming fire. That means he's continually holy, continually enthusiastic, continually passionate about his kingdom and who he is. If you're not, Examine yourself today. The fourth reason why we partner the way we could partner with the Holy Ghost. We partner with God so that through the Spirit we could explain the gospel in words or a language that people could understand. It tells us that everybody from all these different nations understood what they were saying the great things of god praising and lording god they understood it in their own tongue isn't that amazing now you could argue that it meant the language was in their language that's probably what it meant but you could also argue that the spirit gives us wisdom and how to communicate the gospel in a wise way that people could understand You don't just go up to people speaking in tongues, shouting and quoting scriptures. That's the worst thing you could do. You probably, they'll never want to talk to you again. But the Holy Spirit gives you humility and he gives you wisdom. And along with that, he gives churches methods. The message never changes. You got people that are... They have a hard time. I'm not coming to church because of masks or because they do wear masks. They don't wear masks. They don't take temperatures. They take temperatures. It's too dark. It's too light. You have all these things. What does that have to do with the gospel for crying out loud? We put up with all things. We make ourselves a slave of all men so we might save some. The Holy Spirit Is more concerned with getting the gospel out in. in a person's own level of understanding. And if you're dealing with a person who has no knowledge of the Word of God, you speak in simple ways, uh, using their surroundings, using nature. If you're speaking with someone who knows the Word of God, then you use Scripture. You speak to people the way they understand how you can communicate to them. And that takes wisdom. Even how we have church in the last year and a half, it's been the hardest year and a half I've ever had as a pastor because you can't please anybody. So we just decided to do whatever the prevailing view was of the city. So the city recommended Mass, so we do it, even though some people didn't like it. But either way, we lost some people. And because we're, live, we're trying to live stream, we had to make it darker. Because we have to reach masses right now. Do you realize that we have over 1,000 subscribers who watch us every week? And if we don't position ourselves the way we're supposed to, With the ambiance, you cannot look good enough online. Do you understand? Unless there's a level of darkness. has nothing to do with spiritual things. It has to do with reaching the lost and communicating in a language they understand. And now during COVID, the language is Zoom. The language is Facebook Live. The language is YouTube. My God, we would have missed an opportunity if we refused to change our methods. And there are some churches that have closed down because they never budged. So the Holy Spirit is a strategic spirit so we can reach everybody. Number five, we partner with the Holy Spirit so we can be an instrument of God so that the unconverted will repent. And we see that later on as he finished his message. He said, let all the house of Israel know that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ whom you crucified that were cut to the heart. Peter said to them, uh, uh, and they said, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. The word repent means to shift your thinking, change your thinking. The gospel is the power to shift thinking. You know how hard it is to shift someone's thinking? Every one of us who got saved, that was a miracle. Because our whole way of thinking had to be altered. I know I was so proud, I was so stubborn, I was so narcissistic, I was so, in, in, in many ways, even shy and non-emotional. That for me to step into a church with a pe- bunch of people singing hallelujah, that was really hard. And then they would give me a hymn book and... Expect me to raise my hands and pray. And I was, "Mm, no way. And I was going through that, going to church on and off for three years. All I could tell you is no man could have converted me. It wasn't a nun. It wasn't a priest. It wasn't Billy Graham. It wasn't a pastor. I hated preachers. I probably still hate them, but that's another story. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. But. I remember when I first got saved, I said, God, you're not going to make me one of those preachers, are you? I couldn't take it. But he didn't answer that prayer. But uh, I saw phony preachers in my day when I was an usher in the Brooklyn Academy of Music, and I just couldn't stand them. I thought they were all phony when I saw these people. But anyway. My friend had to hold me back. I almost punched the preacher out when I was 15, backstage in the Brooklyn Academy of Music. But anyway, it's another conversation. I don't want my flesh to get boiling again if they're remembering what they were preaching. Reverend Epley's soap washes sins away with his soap, things like that, crazy stuff. But uh, even an unconverted heathen like me knew that that was malarkey. But uh, for me to get saved, to, for something to change my thinking, for something to get me to love the Bible, I hated the Bible. I thought it was boring when I would pick it up. That had to be God. The Holy Spirit changes people's thinking. When we give him space, he changes our thinking. And if the church is strong enough, it could shift the whole community's thinking, then a city, then a nation. The church is more worried about itself for the last hundred years. That's why we lost this nation. Before that, the church took the lead in every aspect of culture, and I'm praying one day we will do that again. Have to move on. Number six, we partner with the Holy Spirit so that our faith can be passed down to our children's children. Yes. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he said, verse 39, this is promise is for you and for your children and for as many that are far off, meaning the generations of children, not geographic, far off, but generations. When the Holy Spirit is moving in our life, he inspires us to pass our faith down to our biological children, our grandchildren, our spiritual children. (laughs) Because the Holy Spirit is a generational God. And he longs for us to make a generational impact. I realize that my life is short. I hope you realize that. I don't know how many Sundays I have left. Ten years of Sundays is 500 Sundays. Maybe I have 1,000 Sundays left. Maybe I have 1,500. That's not too many right to actually get up and preach and that's why every minute of my life I wanted to count for Jesus because I know my children are watching me I know the congregation's watching me I know my spouse is watching me I know my generations my grandchildren are watching me I know my neighbors are watching me I know there are people I don't even know who are watching me and it's the same for you Everything that we do impacts somebody else. Somebody say it impacts somebody else. And long after we are gone, our voice will still be in the hearts and minds and lives of those that we have influenced, whether for good or for evil. It's like a domino effect. You cannot hit one without hitting the other. Everything you do has ramifications, has implications, has every action there is a reaction. It's a force of nature. Everything you do for God multiplies throughout eternity and affects people so that like Abel, even though he is dead, yet he is still speaking. You may say, I'm not doing much. I'm not influencing too many people. Well, you don't know who your grandchild's going to be. You don't know who your spiritual child's going to be. You don't know who that neighbor who's watching you is going to do. You understand, we're all in this together. My grandmother just saw a small church of 60 people. She didn't know all the thousands that she would affect through her descendants. And it's not done yet with all our spiritual children and eight grandchildren, my grandmother's reward will never, ever be calculated until the final day of human history at the judgment seat when all of our influence is accumulated and brought before the Father. Even as the wickedness of Adolf Hitler is still affecting white supremacists today, And anti-Semitism, Hitler can't be judged now. He's just in a holding pattern. Final day of judgment. Not going to be a pretty sight. What kind of generational impact are you going to have, my friend? Last but not least... We partner with the Holy Spirit so that multitudes will get saved and escape this perverted generation. Peter said, Save yourself. Save yourself. You have to partner with the Holy Spirit to be saved. Save yourself from this perverted generation. Wow, so true today. What a perverted generation we live in with the groupthink prevailing narrative they call good evil and evil good. The only thing that can rescue you is Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus Christ today, you'll be saved from this perverted generation. John the Baptist said... Flee from the wrath to come. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5:10, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in our body, whether good or evil. How many want to have a generational impact? Let me see your hand. On this day of Pentecost, let's all stand. Let's pray. I believe we have Pentecostal power and it has not dissipated in 2021 years. The same power that raised Christ from the dead also lives in us. Matter of fact, if there's somebody here who is sick in their body, I want you to put your hand wherever. It represents your body, and we're going to pray. Father, we release the power of the Holy Ghost upon physical bodies. We thank you that it is with your wounds we have been healed. Father, we break fear, we break anxiety, we break any kind of thing that will hold people back from seeking God with all their heart and all their mind and all their soul. In Jesus' name, we break every power of darkness upon the lives of people's minds right now. And Father, we thank you where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. We thank you, God, for those who don't know you. You said in your word, if they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, they shall be saved. So Father, we thank you that anybody here could say, Jesus saved me. And he will save them. And Father, we thank you that we all want to have a generational impact. It's for good and not for evil. If you want that generational impact, just put your hand up. Father, we just believe now. And we release the spirit. We release the generational power of the living God upon them. We release the power, the spirit of Elijah who turns the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children back to the fathers, lest you strike the earth with a curse. Father, we believe in you right now to have you way. God, that we will disciple our biological children. Father, we will go after our friends and our family. Father, we will have... every one of us spiritual children. God, our impact will transcend our lifetime, will exceed our own life and our own short length of time on the earth. Father, that everybody here will have a generational calling and understanding upon their life that will be greater than anything they've ever seen. Father, we believe you now. Release that generational anointing upon us as a church on this day of Pentecost. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 plus on Instagram at reschurchnyc.